Hello and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast for working mums. Here you can find the tools and inspiration you need to overcome the constant juggle and live with more simplicity, ease and fulfilment in your everyday. I'm your host, Debbie, a balance coach and a working mum myself, and I'm super happy to be here with you. Very warm welcome to the podcast, Kerry. It is absolutely amazing to have you here. I've been so, so excited about this conversation. So yeah, it's a real, a real treasure, pleasure and a treat for me. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, by way of introduction, Kerry is the audacity coach. She is reclaiming who does she think she is. And um, you are a coach, uh, a mentor, mastermind host, speaker, and um, all around, I think, Instagram entertainer on many, (laughs) many fronts. I love your stuff. And yeah, it's just, as I say, it's such a pleasure to have you here. So a warm, warm welcome. Thanks. Um, To start off with, then, I'd like to ask all our guests just to tell us a little bit about what your own balancing act looks like just now. Gosh, well, I feel at the moment it's probably the first time since becoming a mother just over eight years ago that I don't feel like I'm juggling anymore. Um, And don't get me wrong, like, I do not mean by that that I am, like, sailing through, you know, every moment of every day with this beautiful harmony um, everywhere I turn. Certainly not that at all, but it I've been reflecting on this in anticipation of our conversation and thinking about how um, balance just means something different to me now than perhaps it used to. And and this is partly about my kids getting a bit older. So they're eight and five, just turned eight and five just now. Um, And also I feel like it's about being released from some of the practical challenges of the pandemic. Um, so yeah I feel like it's the first time where I felt like I'm not kind of shoehorning things into every nook and cranny of my life um, and feeling constantly at risk of dropping something um, and really allowing space for space (laughs) space for nothingness um I mean it it feels like such a luxury so my um kind of invitation to anybody particularly like women out there with younger children really sort of wondering like will this juggle struggle ever end um of course like there are new challenges as the kids get a bit older but I certainly remember being in that space of like it will always always be this hard and I feel like now I'm like okay like life is starting to feel just a bit more manageable again so a ray of hope is what I am offering (laughs) I really, really appreciate that. And um, yeah, I can very much relate. So I guess like for me, when I talk about balance, it is very much about that feeling of spaciousness that you describe rather than like the exact practical things that make that up. But it's like it's the practical things that then allow you to feel a particular way or not. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think especially with with young kids, as you say, it's that like the constant sort of feeling like you're snatching time almost or like trying to I think you said cram things in where you're trying to cram things into like every nook and cranny of of time because um like I think certainly for I find with like young kids they just being in the presence requires a lot of your attention 
Yeah, it's just, it's absolutely um, relentless. And I think that what's been interesting over the past like year, 18 months, you know, wherever we're at now on this journey, um, is that really my experience of that has been like a sort of deja vu of very early motherhood in terms of the, you know, their constant presence, <laughs> the chunks of that. And the second guessing around, you know, oh my gosh, are we supporting them well enough through this? And how do we, you know, keep a roof over our heads and also like be the attentive parents that we want to be? And really reactivated for me some stuff around like lack of support in early motherhood because like my family are far away. And obviously, recently, you know, even people whose families were nearby that couldn't get that help. So I think it's been a really interesting time in that sense. Um, and in my um, therapy sessions, I've been talking quite a bit about that, about that feeling of like, oh my God we've been really thrown back into that kind of lack of ownership and autonomy over our time and our lives and what I noticed for myself and my clients is that even as those things start to change and we start to get some space back kids back at school with a bit more reliability and whatnot for a lot of people they're really struggling to like relax back into that because we've been on such kind of like high alert like hyper productivity for so long um that, you know, it reminds me of like when my when my kids first started preschool and I looked forward to it so much and then I just didn't know what to do with myself and I would start something and then start something else and and be I would be kind of making myself a cup of tea like two minutes before I needed to go and pick him up and be like, oh, I haven't enjoyed this at all. And I feel like I've got nothing done. So I think there's going to be like a bit of kind of a conscious effort required from lots of us to have a bit of a reset as hopefully things are getting reliably a bit better. Mm, Yeah, I can totally get on board with that. Like I think because I think for me and like one of the reasons I felt so strongly about starting my own coaching business through lockdown was I felt like it was lots of these issues that were that are challenges let's say for for mums that were there in everyday life were just like like super amplified yeah. throughout lockdown so like as lockdown eases it's not that the challenges have just disappeared they've just sort of calmed down a little yes. bit but we are still on this like hyper alert level as you say and it's really difficult then to find um the readjustment and i think things like um you know, even what you said about like focusing I think that you just, even just focusing is like a skill set isn't it you know it takes it just it takes that little bit of time to mm. readjust for sure yeah and I think um like that that's such a big one for me like you know like your head being in two places at once that kind of, almost like being in two modes at once like your kind of mothering mode and your working mode um, and how like you know how irritating it feels to be kind of like dragged from one to the other like never really being able to kind of get into any type of flow and that's what I'm kind of observing in myself now like that I, I'm kind of in a way like perpetual I'm learning to stop perpetuating that feeling of like needing to be in two places at once or needing to be in two modes at once and gosh like then then there's like this weird discomfort that comes with that space and it's like oh I it is safe for me to just kind of forget about my kids for six hours today (laughs) like thank god it's safe for me you know they're in somebody else's care they're having a great time at school 
oh, right, okay, I have got this space. And then that's like, oh, you know, what should I be doing? Like, how should I be making the best of this? Like, is it really okay that I'm not rushed off my feet? Like, yeah, each stage of the kind of uh, emergence from that way of being, I think, like, brings its own new discomfort. Mm, absolutely. So I love what you um, touched on there about flow, because I think that, um, like, no matter what your line of work, flow is so important, but it's, like, particularly important, I think, when you're running your own business and, you know, that element of creativity that comes in, like, you need that spaciousness in some ways to, to develop it. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm, I think that's quite a nice lead in to actually what one of the things I wanted to, to talk to you about today, because I think one of the reasons I was very drawn to working with you to begin with was the like the stance that you take on feminism. Um, and it's something that I am like exploring and getting into more and more because the the gender pay gap is something that I felt really passionate for about for a long time and like now I feel um really strongly about trying to impact and make a difference in some way but I know that you've explored many different aspects not just the gender pay gap but you also talk a lot about the gender play gap which I love um and I was just wondering if you could maybe share with the listeners a little bit about your story and your yeah. experiences in early motherhood and how that shaped some of the yeah. stances that you now take. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you for reminding me about that little snippet about the gender play gap. I feel like that needs to come out again soon on my social media. <laughs> forgotten how good that one was. Um, yeah. So I before I, we had kids, um, I didn't really think we needed feminism anymore. Um, I earned more money than my husband. Um, and that was like all I really needed to know. <laughs> it was just all about me and my experience and everything was fine. Um, and then we had this baby and I was like hmm like something doesn't feel okay here and I think I actually posted a reel this morning about um sort of this struggle that I I still experience and I see a lot of women experience experiencing where you have this felt sense that this is not fair you have this like felt sense that there is some kind of injustice happening here but I cannot articulate what this is um because people are always bringing you all of these like rational points <laughs> people are always like yeah but um so 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 I earned more money than my husband when I got pregnant just as we had the baby he got a new job um with a big pay rise and so you know rationally logically he was, of course, it was never even a conversation about whether he would just carry on working full time. Like, of course, that is what he would do. All the conversation was about what would I do? Would I go back part time? Would I go back at all? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and yeah, it quickly became apparent that, as I referenced before, you know, I, I didn't have my family nearby. Um, if I, I worked in retail management, so if I was going to go back to work, I would be like paying for a day of childcare every other week that I wasn't using. So I'd be working the Saturday instead and all these kind of logistical things. And by the time we sort of added up the cost of childcare and everything else, it was like, I'm not going to do this. But to end up with like 100 quid a week at the end of it for working all these long hours and, um, you know, being separate from our baby and all of this. So, um, 
yeah, at that point, I started to get very interested in sort of the feminist elements of feminist arguments around like pregnancy, birth and motherhood. Um, and, and that's where it all really started. I uh, trained to be a hypnobirthing teacher and then that um, kind of resulted in me being surrounded by all of these feminists who had these um, ideas and concepts to share with me, again, particularly about birth and early motherhood and whatnot. And that was really like the start of my obsession <laughs> with um, feminism and um, equality and justice. And it... I feel um, like a, a lot of what has driven my interest and passion around um, these ideas is the rage of having the wool pulled over my eyes for so long. Like the absolute, it's just uh, just being completely baffled by how could I be someone who considers herself to be like pretty switched on and intelligent and educated and not have any awareness of any of this. And it's that kind of um, uh, sort of deceit or um, the kind of like illusion of it all that that everything is fine and fair. The illusion of fairness is is sort of the driving force for me that makes me want to, you know, walk up and down the street with a bell every day. <laughs> like, have you heard? Did you know? Have you noticed this? Um, and you know, obviously, I mean, that's that's not that's not a good plan. But you know, I feel this deep, um, burning desire—not even desire, like compulsion—to keep learning more and more and spreading the word. So, to come back to your question a little bit. Long story short, um, my marriage did not do well with my kind of discoveries and realisations. Um, we had another baby three years later. And by this point, I was running my business um, and, you know, being the main carer, my husband was still working full time. I got the oldest one in preschool a little bit, youngest at home all the time. Um And just something had to give, like something really had to give. And ultimately, my husband ended up leaving his job. Um, initially with a plan that I would work full time. So this is my idea of fairness. You've had full time work and I've done full time childcare. So now we're going to swap and that is going to make it fair. (laughs) And these kind of like grabs for fairness and like revenge even that we sort of make out of this just absolute desperation for things to change it's quite amusing to look back now so we did that for a few months I didn't really work full-time it was like summer and we just kind of went on holidays and spent loads of time together but for I think for four months like I paid the mortgage and the bills and everything worked a bit um And then after that, Nick started doing like consulting work and whatnot. And we find ourselves eventually in the space where we both work in school hours. Um, Sometimes one or both of us needs to do a bit before or after school. Um, We both pay ourselves the same. We share the drop-offs and the pickups and are like happy and like each other. So they all live happily ever after, basically. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like, I'm go- so I want to follow up on the bit that you said about this at the start about these like things, the, the seemingly logical decisions. And it's like, if you want to start that bell ringing, I will totally come and join you <laughs> and ring my own bell. <laughs> and you're like, I feel the same. It's like, 
I just can't believe these things that we become normalized to because it's sort of like all these little tiny things that are drip fed to us throughout our lives that then by the time it comes to motherhood it's this way that you make well I know in my case I made decisions without even like thinking through what decision I was making so I I went back to work part-time in my corporate job but that it had felt like a very easy decision to make at the time but I hadn't really um like considered what the consequences of it were or what that would actually look like or and it's funny how we make so many decisions based on money at that point Mm -hmm. as well and how that like of course because somebody has a bigger salary that's what then takes precedent and like I totally recognize the fact that for lots of people you know there is like money is it's, it's a real consideration like we have to have money to live but I guess money isn't the only source of wealth if you like that there's lots of other things that go into that so you know you talked about being able to have time together as a family time with your kids time for your own pursuits like time to have spaciousness for yourself all of those factors I think come into like creating our overall wealth just as much as like actual money does absolutely and this is one like it's only really in the last year around that kind of time frame that I've really started to understand the interaction of feminism and capitalism or feminist inequalities and capitalism, gender inequalities and capitalism, all kinds of other inequalities and capitalism. And, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult to, I, I feel it's even more challenging to get people to notice the the kind of insanity of capitalism even even more so than patriarchy I think like there are some of us some kind of demographics some kind of segments of of people who have been waking up to how patriarchal society impacts our lives over the last I don't know say five to ten years um but I mean, and obviously there's always been people who understood that. But I think it's becoming like more mainstream over like the past kind of five to ten years to, to understand that. But capitalism feels like the actual invisible, um, I don't know, like the thing that we're all breathing in and we just we just can't see how, yeah, like all of those decisions around that time are based on money. And exactly as you say, like for some people, that that's just you know that's it, there's no other option to consider like decisions just have to be made based on can we survive and get by but for lots of people that's not actually what it is it's like well will we be able to afford you know these things or I don't know this bigger house or these holidays or whatever and I'm not shaming anybody for wanting those things like I actually want to move house to a quieter street Um, I like going on holidays and like taking my kids to lovely places and I love eating out and going out for coffee whenever we want and like so I I want all these things as well Um, but I do think a lot of our uh, stuff that sort of in a sense like goes wrong for us at that stage is where we believe that those things will give us a kind of fulfillment that they just don't Um, because it's like the rest of our lives are just, um, you know, there's so much kind of like disconnection 
I think what I find really tricky about these conversations is it is natural for all parents to want to have time with their children, to care for their children, to connect with their children, not like round the clock all day, every day, but it's like we're we're forced to turn off our instincts, particularly men are forced to do that. And then to an extent, some women are forced to do that. And as a former kind of birth worker, I always find it interesting, like there's all this kind of energy given to, you know, what it means to sort of, um, again, like only in some circles, but, you know, have this like positive birth experience and this bonding and the fourth trimester. And we talk about all of this and attachment parenting. And we know all of this stuff now about how to raise children who are like uh, emotionally healthy and all of this. And then it's like, oh, forget that now forget that like you know you must earn a living so that all of that was lovely when you could afford to be on maternity leave or whatever but now like get back to the real world so there's this constant like pull between who we really are as like mammals and people and humans and and particularly as mothers who have grown babies and maybe like fed babies and they've spent a lot of time attached to our bodies however they've been fed they've spent a lot of time attached to us (laughs) um you know it's there's something very primal that we're being asked to ignore and I do also think to an extent that is true for men as well um you know certainly for my husband like a big part of his life dissatisfaction in that early parenthood stage was not getting the time that he would like to would have liked to have had with our children because of this huge pressure of the responsibility to provide a certain kind of lifestyle for us Mm, and then being able to go into your workplace and express that as well, because I think there's a yeah. lot of like still in workplaces, although like, you know, I'd say most workplaces now have a gender equality policy in place. They've got like most have some provision for flexible working on some. There's still like even though all those policies are there, there's still a culture within work like many corporate workplaces that says something very different and yeah so well is- my husband like when uh, when my second was born we found out in the pregnancy that in the policy of his bank where he worked was uh, four months fully paid paternity leave basically shared parental leave whatever it was called at the time um and like it'd been in in their policy for three years and they'd won all these awards for it no <laughs> one had ever taken it no one had taken it for three years. It, and, the, you know, it's been so celebrated as this, like, perk. No one had ever taken it. It was the first person to take it. And to be fair, like, his line manager was like, good for you. Like, go, yeah, good on you. But other people were like, what? You're taking four months off to, like, be with your family. Like, and you're getting paid. Like, you know, people could not, like people in his workplace, like people outside of the workplace, like the responses from people are so interesting in how, you know, it's in kind of semi-jovial way, like being called like a slacker and a, like, you know, as if all of our value is in our workplace productivity, like what could be more of value than raising like the future generation? And yeah. And also, even if it's not valuable to society, like, why shouldn't you just be living your freaking life? Yeah, yeah. And I think that, um, so, like, what you said about there, about always sort of striving for, well, we started off on more money, but, like, I think that that's the thing about, like, capitalism, isn't it? Like, we have this inbuilt sense that we should always be striving for more. And, like, a lot, you know, in the workplace, 
like a higher salary, more promotions. And I think that there's like a lot of dads feel particular pressure to do that. But I think even just being aware of what's been like traded off in order to do that, like even just making it a conscious decision rather than going along with the sort of societal expectation that that's what we should be striving for. And when it can come at the cost of other things that are like equally or more important to you in terms of values or things that you care about or your time or your energy. Yeah, absolutely that. And we've been having a lot of conversations recently because, as I say, I would quite like to move house to a quieter street. We live on quite a busy road. Um, We've been here for like six years and I, I would quite like to be somewhere quieter. But to live on a quieter street in the area that we live in, you know, we're looking at like a massive up level in our mortgage. And we've been having this conversation like we could earn that money. Like both of us could make different choices, um, you know, with our work, with our working hours, with how we want to operate. Um, and we that's within reach for us. But we're having a lot of conversations about like, do we want that? Like we like, you know, most days we go out for lunch together. As I say go out for lunch, I mean like, you know, grab a pasty or something from the local bakers. I'm not talking about like sitting down with table linen and a glass of rosé at midday every day. Um, but, you know, most days we, t- we take like a lunch break together. Um, most days we don't have any kind of worries about are we going to be on time to pick up the kids only because I'm my timekeeper is I I cannot estimate how long it takes to walk to the school even though I've been doing it for years so I might be a bit late but not because I'm kind of struggling with work like do we want to give that stuff up in order to you know what like you say how does it weigh up like and and I think a lot of people when we think about moving house we're thinking about like building wealth there as well and like oh what are we going to be able to like pass on to our kids or you know all that kind of stuff but actually in the here and now like we really like our lives and so so this is now I've become obsessed instead with like decorating my house and like growing a jungle all around it instead because I'm like well I'm gonna love this house a bit more um you know and, and make some some choices that might not make sense to a lot of people actually um but like our, our day-to-day freedoms are really important to us yeah exactly and it's you know is that is you know those are equal as the equally or even more so important then than more money yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. And um, so lots of the things that we've covered and things that you talk regularly about, you've wrapped up in the theme of audacity. And to me, it's a lot about like the empowerment of, of women. Um, could you tell us or the listeners, I guess, a little bit more about the, the four pillars of audacity that you yeah. talk about? love to so um talking about audacity like it fits with my style I guess of how I want to work like I always want this work to be playful and fun and joyful and sarcastic because that is an extension of my personality and I think that this stuff can be really heavy and overwhelming so obviously there is nothing audacious or or there there ought not to be anything audacious about the four things that I'm going to say like it should just be like these things should just be life um but yeah that playfulness is there in the sense of 
it does feel like we have to be pretty bold and brazen to um, do some of these things. So the first one is um, acknowledge and ask for what you want. So acknowledge is really important because so many of us, we're so used to the sense that that's just not possible, that we, we deny even to ourselves what we want. So even if you think about us talking about, you know, who goes back to work after a baby is born, for a lot of us, we might not even acknowledge we would quite like that to be like a shared part-time each situation or whatever, because it just feels like that's not an option. So we don't even acknowledge it, never mind ask for it. So acknowledge what you want and ask for what you want um, is, is the first one. And of course, like we find asking for what we want really challenging for all kinds of reasons that might be kind of individual to us. But on a shared level, you know, women who ask for what they want are considered often to be demanding, aggressive, greedy, bossy, um, entitled, um, etc. So that's the first one. Um, the second one is appearance ambivalence. So this is about overcoming this pull that we feel to spend time money and energy um making ourselves a better fit for societal norms around beauty and prettiness um all you know very much like through the male gaze so that we can then be tolerated enough to speak or to earn money or whatever so you know that that's the number of conversations I have with women um, who are concerned about how they can show up in their businesses online because I'm having a bad hair day, bad skin day, don't like my teeth, like whatever it might be. So their wisdom gets lost to the world because we feel like we've got to be packaged in a certain way to be seen. And certainly when I was employed, I remember days when you know, I have very curly hair. Like I, if I, um, if my hair gets wet, I basically walk around looking like a toddler. Like it's that kind of vibe going on. Like there's no control to what is happening. And I remember a couple of days, like, you know, getting caught in the rain on the way to work and like hiding in my office. And I was like a store manager for retailers, hiding in my office for most of the day, feeling like I can't possibly act like a grown up or a manager in this situation. I can't ask for what I want. I can't, you know, be in control of anything because oh my god I look like this it doesn't we're not supposed to look like this like authority doesn't look like this um and that comes up a lot for women that I work with like sitting at the back or you know not not raising their hand to contribute if they feel like they don't look good that day etc um so for me like you know body positivity or feeling positive about how we look that that's a lot of pressure as well that's why it's about ambivalence it's like get into this space of oh what I look like isn't who I am um but obviously this is a big job all of these things are a big job the next one is availability for abundance. So like we're talking about here with like the spaciousness and what different types of wealth are available to us. Um, you know, and sometimes that wealth being like pleasure or rest or connection. Um, yeah, that's or space. Like space is one of those needs that I feel we just don't voice that much um but it really is like a core need and when we have an abundance of space um you know it just creates opportunities for unexpected brilliant things to happen whether it's like ideas or 
um, you know, synchronicities and, and whatnot. But yeah, availability for abundance, like being willing to receive, being willing to, you've done the hard work of like asking for what you want. But then most of us, when we're offered, <laughs> the thing that we're like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Not too much. I won't, I won't take up too much of your time. Or, um, oh, you know, no, you have that seat. Or, oh, I don't mind where we where we go for coffee. Like, don't don't you go out of your way to come all this way to me and make my life easier. Like, that availability for abundant experiences, um, yeah, is the third one. And the fourth one is alliance with others. So this is really key and underpins everything else because the reason that all the other stuff feels scary is because of how we as an individual will be judged and criticised for, um, you know, deviating from some of these social norms around what women should be, how women shouldn't ask for what they want, how women should care about their appearance, how women shouldn't want too much. So if one of us steps outside of that, then we're vulnerable to criticism and and judgment and rejection, essentially, from the group. Um, Whereas if all of us are like, good for her, like good for her wonder what I can learn from her um you know she deserves that she's worthy of that I'm not up first lagging her off behind her back like this kind of alliance coming together that becomes then like our safety net for stepping outside of what we're sort of allowed to do and of course with that alliance comes um awareness pieces around offering our alliance up more readily to people who are more marginalized than us because of course like being a woman is not a you know there's not one universal experience of of womanhood so yeah that was about as quick as I could get through that my four facets of audacity I love it I love it like I think um so the the first one you know asking for what you want the thing that really strikes me is like when we started working together I remember like one of the very first I think the very first exercise you asked us to do in the group was to write our our dream life like you know a free write our dream life and I remember at the time doing something that I thought was completely probably audacious thinking like oh my goodness like this this is amazing and when I sent it to you and you were like oh yeah like that all seems totally achievable and I was like <laughs> what no way and like now I I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was definitely less than a year ago, judging by the age of Patrick. And like most of it I've I've got already in the space of a year. And like it's incredible how um I just think to me that really brings back the strength of all of this stuff. And a lot of it is very much like mindset based, I guess. Um to me it is about like turning around a lot of these beliefs that are so inbuilt or default or like feel so natural to us that we don't even notice anymore and like I feel like that's a real strength of your work like calling out the things that for a lot of us have become you know for a long time have been very sort of normalized I guess it's like wanting to make sure as well that we have compassion for ourselves that Mm. as much as I would kind of I would joke about myself and be like, how were you so, um, like, how were you fooled so, <laughs> so well? You know, I would kind of like go all in on myself and be like, you should have done better here. Like, what was that about? But for each other, we really need to be able to offer that compassion because, of course, we see things the way we do. Like, it makes complete sense that we can't see beyond 
these sort of um, restraints of patriarchal capitalist living because it is all we've ever known. So I want women to um, find the courage to dream beyond these sort of confines, but also to know that when that feels really hard and impossible, like that's all right as well. Like you're not kind of, you're not less of a feminist if you're really struggling with the sense that you could ask for more of what you want and you're finding that hard. Like there are all kinds of reasons why all of us find that hard, particular groups find that hard and individuals find that hard. Like, you know, we've all got our own life experiences, stories, perhaps even traumas around that. So I'm always really conscious of not wanting to oversimplify you know it's, it's really tricky because you know Instagram in particular kind of draws us into this like we need these sound bites and we need these one-liners and you know we, we want to make everything feel really digestible and like fun and inspiring but the reality is like it's a mess navigating this stuff like it's complex um it's personal um yeah it, it overlaps with with so many things so that would be something else I would love to offer to people. Like if they hear us talk about this and they think like, well, yeah, but for whatever reason, you know, my my dreams are much further away. Um, success doesn't look like for everyone unlocking 80% of their dream life in a year. Like success for someone might be things getting 10% better in that year, you know, and them getting like, I don't know, two hours a week more support than they had before, for example. Mm, yeah, and I think that, um, I think to add a little bit more context to that too, you know, um, on the back of this, like, I feel like I came across your work at exactly the right time for me. Like, I trust that that was sort of, it was what I needed at the time. But like, before that, I'd already, you know, I'd already been coached for like three years before you know I'm like very like deep into like my self-development I guess for like three years before that I'd also spent like over 10 years in a corporate job thinking like oh is this what I want to do you know it does it takes time and it's like like peeling off lots of layers isn't it before you get down to the bottom bit and now I sort of feel well right if this is possible then like what else is possible Yes, I love that you've shared that because I think um, we are like so often presented with these like very shiny, like almost like, oh, I had this epiphany and then (laughs) I turned my life around in five minutes. Do you know, like that? obviously we love all that. Like, you know, I'm very into all that. But ultimately, we also need these very grounding truths about it does take time to unpack this stuff. It does take time to build our confidence um, and to to work out like who we really are, like, you know, who we would have been if we hadn't been conditioned so deeply in all of these ways. But yeah, this point also about, wow, like, what else then? Like, what what more is there there's something like very audacious about that that I am very available for um and yeah women so often are told you know be grateful for what you've got and I'd love to be clear with everyone like being grateful for what you've got like one way to embody gratitude for what you've got is to remain open to other potential like to infinite possibilities because that's how we honor 
our um, connection to that experience of receiving, I feel, it's like, oh, what more? Like, I've learned here that there's more possible for me than I previously thought. Well, to honour that, I'm going to stay open to that. Instead, like, we're so often pushed into this space of, like, you know, you should that's enough like that enough's enough now <laughs> and women are, are often kind of uh, shamed around wanting more and when will enough ever be enough for you and it's like well never like this is I am my own lifetime project <laughs> like oh. squeezing every drop of juice and joy out of my life like is what I'm here for so you know that's what we're going to be doing Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> I love it. That feels like a really nice, like, expansive note, I guess, to end on. Um, so just to wrap up, can you tell us um where we can find you online? Because I'm sure that after listening to this conversation, if anyone hasn't come across you before, they will definitely be wanting more. Oh, thank you. Um, so I am all about Instagram. So I'm um I'm quite easy to find. I'm Kerry L. Jarvis. Someone was already Kerry Jarvis, the audacity. Um, so I'm Kerry L. Jarvis on Instagram. I'm kerryjarvis.com, but I I must uh, warn you that I'm about to delete my entire website and start again. I'm in one of those phases, you know, when you're like, I'm transitioning now. <laughs> Everything needs a refresh. So there might not be much there. Um, Instagram is really the place to find me. Drop me a DM on Instagram if you want to be added to my mailing list. So I do a Sunday uh, for everybody mail out, um, which is you know a bit of a reflection piece on something that's been on my mind during the week. Um, and on a Wednesday, I send out one specifically for business owners. So drop me a DM if you want to be added to either of those lists. Fabulous. I can highly, highly recommend your Instagram feed. Um, so thank you so much, Carrie. Really, really appreciate it. I know you have a full a full um calendar. So really appreciate your time this morning. And I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our chat. So thank you for your energy on that too. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Balancing Act podcast. If you'd like to connect with other working mums just like you who are seeking more balance in their everyday, then come join us on the free Facebook community, The Balancing Act for Working Mums. If you've loved what you've heard, I would be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review the podcast on your favourite platform so that we can spread the word to all the other working mums out there. Until then, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bye for now.